at first the name, you know, we ask everybody. And that's why I kind of tell people, don't really ask for permission. Just go ahead with what you believe deep in your heart. Because we started asking even my, at the time, girlfriend, who now is my wife, she's like, I hate that name. I don't understand it. It's stupid. I don't like it. So if you start listening to people, sometimes it starts to skew your judgment. So even though that people said it, they didn't like it, me and my brother just knew we had something hot. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am really, really excited today because I have a special guest. His name is Joseph Zappelli, and he is the co-owner and co-founder of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I it's a pleasure for me because literally you can ask anyone, one of my favorite subjects and foods is popcorn. So I have great passion for this category and can't wait to hear you talk about Bad Monkey and all the things that have happened to lead you to where you guys are today. So first, why don't you just talk a little bit about your background and then how you started the brand? Well, I wanted to correct you. My brothers are the bad monkeys. I'm the good monkey. Oh, you're not a bad. Okay. You're a good That's monkey. The, yeah. I'm the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. And you founded the, you co-founded the brand with whom? I did. So um, we'll bring you back. I'm actually a serial entrepreneur. It runs in my family. Okay. My Even my grandfather owned a company called Whistle. You can look it up. It was a soft drink company, super popular. And I believe it got bought out by Pepsi or Coke. So this was a long time ago. It's naturally in my blood. So this is my third company. My second company was a marketing company and ended up selling that company. Not for too much. I had a couple hundred thousand. I know that's a lot of money to some people, but to retire, you can't really retire. So I was looking for the next path. And my brother was actually a lawyer. Well, he is a lawyer still. So he was a patent and copyright lawyer. And I've always confided in him for advice. So I asked my brother, my older brother at the time, he was working for Bombardier, or it might've been Robic, but it was he was an IP patent lawyer. And I was saying, what can I do with my money? Should I start a business? Should I start a franchise? What should I do? And he said, well, yeah, let's, let's look at all the franchise options. So that's what we, exactly what we did. We went to the franchise show. We explored all possibilities and we realized that franchises are are okay, but it wasn't really a fit for me because it's kind of, you're paying for a job. There's not really any creativity or marketing involved. It's it's kind of just cookie cutter. You buy this. And for example, if I'm making burgers, this is what you're going to be doing. So we wasn't really interested in that. We were looking for something else. My brother said, well, you know, we're creative. Why don't we just start our own franchise? And that's kind of where the idea started. We said, well, what can we do? And at the time we were eating, of course, we're Italian. We were eating pasta at my mom's house. And my mom said, well, popcorn was your favorite snack as a child. Why don't you get into the popcorn business? So we said popcorn. So we went to Walmart and started looking at, at what was out there. And really there was only one option, which is, is the red guy. I think it's Orville Redenbacher, an older gentleman. And it's been kind of played out and boring. And it's been the same thing for so long. So we said, you know what, we could bring something fun and dynamic. And that's exactly what we did. We went, bought all the the supplies to make popcorn. We almost burnt down my kitchen. And that's where the the business started. We ended up signing a 300 square foot facility, little uh, apartment. It was actually behind a 
at church. So it was kind of funny. We used to give them popcorn and we kind of grew it organically. We started out as just festivals because we're lucky we're in Montreal. There's tons and tons of festivals. So we, we got our first start, our big break at the Grand Prix. We convinced them somehow to, to believe in us and be the popcorn for the Grand Prix. So this was back in 2014, believe it or not. And it was an amazing experience because there was a couple key points that really gave us the explosion, which is one, we got to learn quickly what flavors we're selling. Two, we also got to learn who our client was, who was actually coming up to the booth. So not only did we learn who our client was, but we learned what flavors to go to market with. So once the festival season was done, we actually generated revenue, which was kind of crazy because obviously at the festivals, you sell them at, at a much higher rate. So we started generating good revenue. And then all of a sudden the season ended, which is the winter season. So we're like, what are we going to do? And that's kind of where the next start of our phase, which is entering the grocery store started. And that's a whole other chapter. But yeah, that's how I kind of, I got my start. It was just exploring something with my brother, creating a budget. We thought a couple hundred thousand, 200,000 was going to be enough. I We clearly blew through that within a year or two. And and we were off to the races looking for investors and growing the business. Wow. I want to ask you a couple of questions because that's an amazing start. And a lot of things must have happened along the way. But there are a couple of things that you said that were interesting to me. One is you had a marketing company. You decided to move on from that. I'm curious to know what made you decide that. And then I want to ask you about the decision to get into the popcorn business feels like it almost was like, well, we kind of like this. Let's try it. But there had to be more to it, or maybe there wasn't. And that's also really interesting. So let's start with why you left marketing and what made you go to CPG? Yeah. Well, actually, if we back up before that, I was in finance. So I was in the banking industry. Wow. So I went to John Molson. It's a business school here in Montreal. And it was amazing experience for me. It kind of got me into that business mind because prior to that, you know, I was kind of just trying to make money, going anywhere where the best pay was. And then getting into business school, which, which was a huge accomplishment for me because I wasn't always the best student. Not that I, I wasn't good at it. It's just, I really never applied myself. Mm-hmm. So business was something that I loved. So once I got into business school, even reading the newspaper, they don't have much newspapers anymore, but reading the newspaper in the morning, just getting accustomed to business and always being around business students, it kind of got the, the, the juices flowing. And that's kind of how I got into my marketing business. Now, the marketing business was, I would say I was quite unhappy because yes, we were helping clients generate because it was kind of in 2009 when we were e-commerce was starting out. So I was always good with computers, but at the same time, I kept building other people's brands and I kept seeing, man, I'm building all these people's brands. And then they're like letting me go or giving me another contract, but I'm not making serious moves. Nobody's really talking about my last name. I'm not building anything in terms of legacy and the skills were really mine. So if, if I leave the business or if I stop working, guess what? There's no revenue generating. So I wanted a business that I could actually go on vacation and it continues to make money. So I got the opportunity to sell the business, which I did. It wasn't for a huge exit, but it was enough for me to catapult to the next step, which I didn't even know what it was, but I just knew that me and my brother have always been creative, whether that's selling freezies out of our locker in high school, whether it's doing car washes or lemonade stands, we always tried to make money. I would even on the summer go to the flea market, buy things from China iPhone accessories and sell them on my summer months. So I was always a hustler. I was always trying to make that next dollar, but I had nothing really in terms of 
legacy. Not, you know, legacy sounds so vague, but building my own brand and my yeah. own business. And that's kind of what I was trying to do with Bad Monkey. So you said you you were talking to your mom and she said you always love popcorn, do a popcorn brand. Is it that simple or was there more to it? Honestly, it was that simple. We wow. we it was more to be honest, uh, my brother who was more pushing me for this business because I was thinking to myself, okay, this guy sounds crazy. We're in my we're in my condo and we're talking about mission statements and we don't even have a product yet. And he's going to say, and he's, he's telling me, this is what our culture is going to be, what our brand entity is going to be. And I'm like looking at him like he's, he's crazy because we don't have a brand yet. And that's kind of where the idea started. We literally started sketching out different ideas. Originally, the name was Mr. Poppers. It was like a popcorn kernel and, and he, he had a body like a stick figure. And we said, that's no good. And my brother's a big reader. He read a book called The Purple Cow. And he reminded us that we have to stand out. So we ended up meeting again at Starbucks for brand ideas. And we kind of, I have to say, kind of took the idea from Starbucks. So if you look at our logo, the colors are the Starbucks logo. So it's brown, white, and green. Not only that, our logo, if you look at it, it's actually, I could show it to you here. Your viewers who are listening, you can check us out online at badmonkeypopcorn.com. He's actually sitting in a bowl and it's a circle. And if you look at it, it's actually the same as Starbucks. I think it's a siren. She's sitting in a, I think it's mm-hmm. a cup. So we kind of literally took the idea and the name comes from actually my mom used to call us her little bad monkeys. because we Yeah, were- that's a good question. That's my next question. Yeah. So, well, we were a lot of other things. My mom used to call us other names too. But Bad Monkeys was really something that was always attached to our names because we were always jumping and causing trouble. You can imagine my poor mom, four boys. So it was kind of hectic. And that's where the name came from. So everything just came organically. The name came organically. My brother drew the monkey as best as he could. Then we took it to a professional illustrator and he came up with the 3D rendering. And we're like, wow, this is really cool. At first, the name, you know, we ask everybody. And that's why I kind of tell people, don't really ask for permission. Just go ahead with what you believe deep in your heart. Because we started asking even my, at the time, girlfriend, who now is my wife, she's like, I hate that name. I don't understand it. It's stupid. I don't like it. So if you start listening to people, sometimes it starts to skew your judgment. So even though that people said it, they didn't like it, me and my brother just knew we had something hot. And to this day, we have great popcorn. I'm not going to lie. We have good popcorn, but there is better popcorn out there. There is better products out there. What really we stand behind is our brand. Nobody can beat our brand. And and it just goes to show in 2020, when I uh, actually sold a portion of the company to a venture capital fund, they did an audit with a massive company and they valued, I believe our monkey over $4 million, just the logo itself. Mm-hmm. So a drawing that me and my brother did at Starbucks a couple of years later is now worth $4 million. So wow. it just goes to show you that sometimes it's all in your head and the creativity is really deep down inside you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what you said about opinions, right? Everyone has one. Yep. You're going to get 50 opinions if you ask 50 people. And at some point you have to know how you feel and what makes sense for you and what resonates with you. And I think that's, I think that's a really important point because I think it's so hard to stand your ground when you are a newish entrepreneur, and there are a lot of experienced people telling you what to do. You're vulnerable. You're yeah. really, you're putting yourself out there. And yep. during festivals, this is, we have thousands of stories I can talk for days, but we'd have my brother's colleagues come over and they're like, are you, are you okay? Like they, they might've thought he was on drugs because like, we're there with 
with uh, selling popcorn. By the way, it wasn't nice bags because we didn't have any money. They were in Ziploc bags with stickers that we made oh. and it just with glow sticks. And, and they literally thought we might have lost our jobs. I was in the finance industry coming out of <laughs> LA and I had, a, I had a successful marketing company. And here we are, me and my attorney brother, we're selling in the mud at Oceaga, which is a, it's a rave festival, popcorn to teenagers. So it really, you put yourself out there and everyone's like, hey, pat you on the back, like, good job, I'm proud of you. But re- reality, I think they, they might even be laughing at you, but eventually they're, they're not going to laugh because now most of the people, like his colleagues who would, who would laugh at us, work for us and there are lawyers. Wow. That's yeah. a cool story. Talk about where you are now. Like there's a big, big gap between we were selling at festivals and markets to the brand that you are today. So how did that happen? So actually we were doing really well here locally in Montreal. So we were probably doing around $30,000 a month in revenue, which we thought was good at the time. And then we saw the opportunity of, of a show called Dragons Den. It's a Canadian version of Shark Tank. And we said, well, let's just give it a shot. I was on, I was on the, the, the web. You know, I was good with computers anyways. I signed us up. I didn't think we were going to get a call. We ended up getting a call. They said, come down to the university. We're doing auditions. So we show up to this university for the auditions. And there is thousands of people. It's an, it's an auditorium, but it's, it's like a gymnasium. Thousands of people, and they're all rehearsing. And they have to basically get on the show by impressing the producers. So me and my brother said, how can we stand out? Because that, again, the monkey the name, the colors, how can we stand out? So we said, okay, you know what? We do festivals, stay here. We're obviously not going to be called right away. I'm going to go get our our tent and our booth and set up a booth in the gym. And we're going to sell popcorn. So we're going to capture all the attention. So we literally set up in the middle of them trying to rehearse. We set up our own booth and we sold out of all the popcorn we brought. That's unreal. I'm not exaggerating. When we walked into the producer's section where they were, we were talking and we're like, okay, welcome. They were eating our popcorn. No. So a producer, yes. A producer must've come out. I must've sold him. I didn't even know he was a producer. So when we walked in, he literally said to me, you guys don't even need to audition. We already heard everybody talk about you guys. And I came to your booth and I saw what you guys do. So just do something like talking so we could just have it on camera, but you guys are already in the show. So we closed the deal without even doing anything. And that's kind of where. Well, it's not, not doing it, but, but it's not, you did something really interesting. Yeah. You took a risk that mostly people were probably like freaking out, right. They're freaking yeah. out rehearsing. And you were like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what we've been doing that made us successful. I'm going to get these people to try this popcorn. And, and I walked out of there, I think with like $250. So it's like, I made money, which is it's not a lot of money, but I turned something that was scary into an opportunity. And that's kind of our strength, I believe, as Bad Monkey, even when like, I'll give you an example, a client didn't want to take our our popcorn in the store. We don't just, okay, yes, you could send many emails and you could do many calls. That's the basics. We actually dressed up my little brother in the mascot and we took him to the front of the buyer's head office and we played music at 8 a.m. And every single buddy coming out, all the employees, we handed them popcorn. So by wow. the time the buyer was at her desk, everybody in the area around her is eating popcorn and it's ours. She called us in the next day and said, you guys have some cojones. Come and see me. And we thought we might be in trouble. She said, I love that energy. Bring that to our business and, and we'll have you guys in our stores. So that's kind of how we got into some stores that people didn't like us. Or another store didn't want to take our product. We said, you know what? Send a guy salesman because maybe maybe uh, they, they don't like girls. Send a girl salesman. Nothing worked. We said, give it for free. The guy said, please, I don't want your product. 
okay. We noticed we had a good following on social media. We did a, a contest. Who can go and ask the manager, take a picture with the manager with our product? We had so many people go into the store. He called us and said, okay, stop sending people to my store to ask for selfies with me. I'll take your product. And we ended up charging him full price. And we're, we're still in that store to this day. You have some amazing stories. Yeah. I can go for days. Wow. Uh, it's just, incredible. like I said, it's about being creative. And not necessarily playing by the rules, right? We learned a hard lesson during our festival. And this is why I said the festival days was kind of the best thing that happened to us. We were at an event once and we must have had maybe a thousand boxes, slush machines, tons of stuff. We ended up coming in with the truck full of mud. It's a disaster. And the guy said, sorry, you can't drive any closer. You're going to have to park and walk everything. I'm like, are you kidding me? We have a four day event. I'm going to be exhausted. He said, sorry, rules are rules. So I I ended up obviously didn't want to fight, brought everything. By the time it was like an hour and a half, I was already the event having started. I was sweating, tired. As soon as I finished the last box, I closed up the truck. I see tons of truck passing me going to where I was walking. I look at the guy and I'm like, what the hell? What happened? He's like, sorry, man. They just drove by. So it's kind of like, I don't mm-hmm. ask anymore for permission. Yeah. I'd rather just apologize after. Awesome. For forgiveness. Yeah, that's incredible. So talk about where the business is now. Where are you guys at today? We are at a intersection. We are exploding in the US and it's extremely challenging to say the least because Imagine cooking for five people at your house. It's quite easy, right? Yep. Now try cooking for a thousand people at your yep. house. It starts to get hectic. And in reality, we have a trilogy we try to keep is our price point of Walmart. We try to have the quality of Starbucks, right? Obviously. And then we have the attitude of Red Bull. So we always try to have these three trilogies. And we always look at that from a viewpoint of, We have to be exciting. So we have, you know, Red Bull's exciting. They always have the hottest events. We have to have the quality because if you have one bad taste with a client, you can't get that client back. It's extremely challenging to get that client back. And then the price point, our client, as we found out at the events, were children and moms. So it's a family. I have a family. I come from a family. We know families. A lot of families are on a budget. They don't have a lot of money. So, and popcorn in general is a, a impulse buy. Yeah. So we try to make it affordable where it doesn't make the consumer, it's a hard decision. It's two bucks, it's three bucks. So even if let's say they're not sure, it's it's not expensive and they can afford that yep. to try it. Another thing we do with marketing is we really don't do the cookie cutter billboards. We do those as well. Sometimes with Disney, they make us do that. But what I try to do is give the client the product. So we give thousands of bags daily away across five countries, whether that's in schools, fundraisers, charities. And for us, that's the best form of marketing is getting the consumer to try our product. We have a saying, once it touches your lips, you don't go back to chips. So we really try to make the client eat the popcorn. And once he does, we realize he becomes a long life, lifelong client. I want to ask you about the Disney partnership. And I also want to ask you something else. So the, I don't know, I'm not as intimate with the Canadian market, but the US market has so much popcorn, right? There's skinny pop and there's lesser evil. And there's, I mean, there's just endless, endless brands of popcorn, Indiana popcorn. So talk about penetrating this already very, very popcorn heavy market. So as a business and a business owner and a product, you have to know who you are. That's the first, if you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. So I'll give you an example. We try not to appease the yoga mom. We try to appease the soccer mom. Yep. We don't even want to be in the healthy category. Okay. We are 
healthier. So, yep. you know, Just we're clean. Being popcorn, right? Our, our deck is very clean, right? Popcorn in general is healthy. We yep. don't add many, you know, ingredients. It's salts, oil. But for us, we try to double down on who we are. So we are a good snack food for a movie night. So if that's caramel, guess what? You're getting a double caramel. If it's chocolate, you're getting a triple chocolate. If it's butter, you're getting a double butter. We rarely have a clean, clean, like low cal. We don't try to go for that. So this, the other client people you mentioned, Skinny Pop, Lesser Evil, they're more like the mom that would buy the bag and then have a snack and then maybe a week later have another little snack. Yeah. Our clients buy two to three bags a week. That's the clients we want. We want the clients that buy Kit Kat, Snickers. Yep. Yep. That's our client. Another thing we do is we strategically don't put our product in the same place as them. So a lot of people will fight for the chip section. Have it. We don't want it. We put ourselves where the mom is. So we will put ourselves near the dairy, the milk, the eggs, and the bread. So you won't see many snack companies there except for us because we realize the kids, while the mom's looking at the milk, turns around, sees the monkey, buys the bag. And it just so happened a couple months ago, I was in the store and I saw, well, I was with an owner and I saw a young girl, she must've been six or seven. And she goes, mom, 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 bad monkey, bad monkey's here. And the mom, who's our client said, who's bad monkey? So obviously she said, oh, I I think they came to my school. She said, okay, grab two bags. Boom, right there's a client. So if we're not getting the attraction from the mom, we're getting the attraction from the child. Good. That's amazing. So you have, you have your influences or influencers or kids, kids and moms. Yeah. yeah. I have three kids. I have three daughters, beautiful daughters. So I, I use my daughters for our, our videos and a lot of our feedback and our taste testing and everything. Talk about your partnership. You taught, you mentioned Disney. That's, that's a big deal. So how, how did that come about and how has that worked for you? Another thing we see a lot of, we call them entrepreneurs. They want to be entrepreneurs, but they're not really entrepreneurs because Disney is not going to call you. Let's just put it there. They're not going to call you and say, Hey, I've been noticing your biz. Disney is obviously the A side. So how do I get Disney's attention? So first off, if any entrepreneur is listening, I suggest you set up a LinkedIn profile. I would say 90% of my major contracts come from LinkedIn. That is like the starting point. So I said, what can I offer Disney and I can get their attention? So I said, okay, Disney Plus, which is an online, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Disney Plus, It's kind of like Netflix. So we said, how can we help Disney Plus? How can we add value? And Disney Plus was trying to get bigger and bigger. So I contacted the marketing department. You start. I started with the marketing department. Obviously, I, I messaged them about a thousand times till they got me back. But how I got their attention was I said, every Disney Plus account in Canada that opens an account, we will send them a free box of popcorn, completely wow. free. So I didn't even realize, obviously, I, I'm the marketing guy now, but that financial burden would have been in the millions. Yeah. So I didn't even know that I was going to put myself in major problems, but I just went ahead and did it. And then they said, wow, that's such a great idea. So I was like, great. We have a, we have a talking point now. So they finally got back to me and they said, logistically, thank you. It's not going to work because uh-huh. we can't give the client addresses to you. You'll have yeah. no so yep. for, uh, privacy issues, but we love the fact that you offered us something because all the time people are hitting us up for something yep. and they're never offering value where you're giving us value. 
So it actually started a conversation and they said, we took a look at your brand and I have some good news. We're going to be dropping your competitor and we're going to be putting you as the exclusive popcorn for the next three years. We'll do a three-year deal. And that's kind of how the, the ball started with Disney was it was me offering something to them, them coming back and saying, thank you so much. It's not going to work, but we saw your brand. We saw how much traction you have. We saw the following you have. And let's continue the conversation about you being the popcorn for Disney. And that's kind of how it started. And how has it worked out for you? Is it as big as it sounds like it is? Is it like, it sounds huge, right? When someone hears that you're a Disney partner, it sounds gigantic. Yeah. It also sounds like what's interesting that you said it was going to be undoable for you because it was going to cost so much money. Yeah. It probably also is a big deal from a production perspective. So what are the challenges and also benefits of the partnership? That's a great question. First of all, there's big challenges, huge challenges, and there's also huge benefits. Just as you said, I can call Walmart and say, hey, I'm the popcorn for Disney. So it gives you clout. It gives you leverage. So that's the good side of it. The bad side is everything else. So they're very hard on their brand. So just getting an approval for, let's say, an ad, it'll take two weeks, three weeks. Just to get an approval for a product, it could take six months, a year. So Mm -hmm. you have to be patient working with Disney. And rightfully so, they're trying to protect their brand. Of course. But it it can get frustrating when when I'm kind of a cowboy and I just Mm -hmm. want to shoot, boom, 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 boom. They're more like a sniper. Let's take our time. We're Mm going to position. And then maybe in six months. And you could work six months. I worked six months on a project. And finally, they, they they called me after six months and said, hey, sorry, Lay's, which is a huge competitor of ours, wants this movie. So we have to give them the first rights. So I'm like, what? <laughs> I just spent six months designing the box. By the way, it's not cheap to design boxes, pay people for six months of uh, R&D. We have to send our products for testing. I don't need to explain you all the, the ins and outs, but it, it's, a, it's a lot. So easily $30,000 down the drain. I'm not going to see that money again. So you got to kind of be patient and you got to be strategic, but it's a great partnership to have. And, and we're very blessed, but at the same time, you got to pick the right product as well. You know, we had a variety box sold extremely well. And then I've seen other products with people with Disney and it didn't sell well. So you got to just be strategic on where you're going, who your client is, but we already know who our client is. And that all rolls yeah. back to, you got to know who you are and who your, your client is. Yeah. What's your distribution in the U.S. like right now? And are you doing mostly DTC or is it mostly stores? So I'm lucky in the sense I my wife's dad is a my father-in-law. He's a trucker for 40 years. So I, I didn't marry her for that, but it just comes handy. And it's been instrumental in the growth of our networking. So just making sure because distribution can kill you because we can have a great product, but if you can't get it to the stores, that's another issue. And we had that early on in our career when we got a client, high five, everything's great. And they're like, oh, we need one box at this store. And it's like 18 miles away. And I'm like, how is that even profitable? So you got to really make sure your transportation and your distribution is, is done right. We don't like working with brokers. We typically do the transport on our own. So I have my transport division here and we try to go direct to the store as much as possible, just less hands in in the cookie jar and less hands in the wallet. So we just try to go direct as much as we can. And if we don't, like in Canada, it's hard to go direct because the stores are smaller and the volume is smaller. We'll go with a distributor. Again, distributors, 
you know, if I have to be honest, I can't stand them. They always blame you. It's always your products not selling or your products not marketing right, or they rarely take any fault. And a lot of things what they'll do is, is they'll actually, it's, I don't even want to say it's a Ponzi scheme, but what they'll do distributors to young, young companies is I'll give you an example. They'll take on, let's say uh, Tabasco or like a big company like that. They'll give that company great distribution, right? But they'll break even. Then what they'll do for us, because I'm just, I'm young, I'm new, I'm excited. They're like, obviously a big distributor. So, you know, we're kind of like the B side. They'll basically say, okay, yeah, we'll take your product. We'll see what we could do. And then maybe it doesn't sell. Maybe they have 40 products. Maybe they like one distributor we were with one time had a thousand products. The manager has five minutes. So yeah. you know, you a lot of time to talk. So in reality, distribution is very hard. We're very lucky. We work with a great distributor here in Canada. But for the U.S., we try to go direct as much as possible. If not, we work with a company called Dot Foods. They're the largest, one of the largest in America. And they actually can deliver boxes and pallets as opposed to just full trucks. Interesting. And yes. so what retailers are you in here now? Or are you is that in, in the U.S.? Yeah. So in the U.S., we started off because of the volume with the dollar stores. So Dollar General, would I would say, is our biggest client. Mm-hmm. We're in Arlington. And we just signed TJ Maxx and we're going to be doing with uh, Costco USA shortly. Costco, again, is another client. You have to make sure you take your time and yeah. have the right product and the right time. So yeah, it's exciting. US right now is exploding in terms of popularity for us. Awesome. We'll be in Kroger's as well. So it's just honestly taking our time and not rushing because you don't need 50 clients. If you get a Costco USA, I think that's 40 million, in, 40 million a year in sales. So I don't, I don't think you need more than that. So one or two clients, there's a company called Dude Wipes. I just mm-hmm. found out they made like a hundred million and they're in two stores, yeah. uh, two banners. So yeah. you don't really need a lot. That's what's good about the United States. We're in 30,000 stores right now in five countries. So we also sell coming up in France. We also sell coming up. Actually, we already sell in Jamaica, the Philippines. So a lot of things are, are happening here at Bad Monkey. That's super exciting. What a great story you have. Really great. I love that you're you called yourself a cowboy and you're not doing it the way everyone else does it because it's hard. It's hard anyway. So I have one more question for you before I get into asking you to give some advice because I think we could talk for days. I agree with you. There's so yeah. much good stuff. But I'm curious to know how you keep your like you have great energy obviously. This is something you're very passionate about. There have to be days when you don't feel that way or moments Oh gosh, I can tell you it's a roller coaster. Even I'll be like I said, you you said before to be transparent, and I was down and out. I would say Tuesday. I don't like the word depressed, but I was just I had to take a walk, and I even left work early, which is very rare, and just took my kids swimming, and then we walked. We did a big walk with the kids just to really. I, I got some bad news with some product that I was trying to develop. And, you know, just like Disney, you get some bad news. Sometimes you're working on a project. So it's very easy to get down. That's why there's two things I always say. First of all, whether you have good news or bad news, try to stay even. So Mm. we'll close a massive deal. When we closed Dollar General, I didn't celebrate. We didn't go. That's a massive contract, 10 million a year. I didn't do anything. I didn't celebrate, didn't stop and smell the roses. Just learned this I think it's Kobe Bryant actually I learned this from, but just stay steady when you're, when you're on the high and when you're on the low, because it's very easy to go on this roller coaster. And once you're on this roller coaster, you're, you're looking at these dumps 
and you could just literally catch a bad wave and it it affects everybody. You know, if I come in and I'm depressed, I'll make my COO depressed and I'll make, it's literally, it's contagious and it'll catch fire. And another thing is I have my brother. So my brother has been a huge thing with me and we vice versa work off each other where I'm down, I'll call him out. Or if he's down, I'll call him out and I'll even say, Hey, go home. Like go, go, go. Just, you look like you're, you're not having a good day. So we're not shy to call each other out. It does cause fights. That's for sure. And we don't, even the other, the other year, it was like two years ago. He's like, I don't know why you're talking to me like this. I'm your brother. And I said, I'm not your brother. I'm the CEO. So it's, it's sometimes very hard to have these conversations, but we don't really, when we get in here and work, call each other brothers I have my position and he has his position. And, you know, when we're eating pasta with my mom, we're brothers again, but I don't even like to talk business when we're with my mom because it's, we're just always talking business. So we try to yeah. not talk when we're eating a family dinner. Oh my God. Amazing. What about capital raising? So you mentioned that you took on some investment from a private equity firm. Yep. Where are you on that front today? So another thousand minutes, we could talk about raising uh-huh. money. So I'll be honest for all the listeners out there. If you can never sell, do not sell a single share. And I don't know how I could say it more than that. Just keep as many shares as possible. I still have shares. I, I did very well, but at the same time, bad monkey is a cash cow. And if I own this 100%, it would be sometimes I think about sometimes buying it back, but at this point I have such great partners that it's not worth it, but it's very challenging because in reality, we start this, this career, this, this entrepreneurship so that we don't have a boss. Exactly. And then I don't care what you say. As soon as you have a shareholder, you have a boss. So not necessarily like they're going to boss you around because you could have more equity or you can have a shareholders agreement that's more in your favor, but you don't want to, disappoint them. They believed in you and you really want to return some money back for them. So at the end of the day, you have to answer to somebody. And that's kind of why I started my own company so that I don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's what's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I just have never heard someone say, as soon as you take on capital, you now have a boss. And that's the reason most entrepreneurs start their own company. So they don't. So that's very interesting way to put it. Yeah. Bringing you back after Dragon's Den, the 200 so thousand I had saved up from my second business I sold was quickly going out the window. The banks didn't want to, the banks actually laughed at me. I remember this like it was yesterday. I sat down, did a beautiful projection calendar, sales forecast. I had, I had POs, contracts. I'm like, oh, this is in the bag. This is finished. He actually laughed at me and I said, sorry, is there anything funny here? Oh and he's like, God. yeah, you said your projections, they just seem a little bit unreal. And I'm like, well, this is actually what I'm forecasting. And he's like, well, you know, I, I see a lot of people that come in and they, they give these type of forecasts and they don't come true. So it's kind of like, if you want to literally start a fire in my stomach, that is the best way is laugh at me or tell me I can't do something. Yes. So it actually just motivated me a thousand times more. Funny enough, I ended up a year later getting a check for 1.3 million and I was going to go rub it in his face. And by the way, we hit our, not only did we hit our projections, we hit a year and a half forward. So I was going to go rub it in his face, but what I ended up doing is I just cashed a check and I opened a new bank with a different bank and I didn't even go see him back. I closed the accounts. We're actually back with that bank now because the venture capital works with them, but it just felt so good and, and gratifying to, to know that I not only proved him wrong, that I don't even need to rub it in his face. 
So, so awesome. Love it. Love so it. after Dragon's Den, we ended up getting a deal on the show, which is Shark Tank. So we signed Handshake, not signed, verbally agreed on 30%, I think for like 300,000, which was valuating us, like I think at a million bucks or 900,000. Mm-hmm. So we were super happy. We were like crying on the way back, driving. We were so excited, high fives, everything. And then reality hit us. They came to see us and they changed their idea from 30. They wanted 50%. And they went from 300,000 to like 100,000. So they also didn't like our name. They wanted to change the name. So it was just a complete disaster. Again, going back into this depression, just like, oh man, we thought we had a Did you say this was Shark Tank or was it the Canadian? It was the Canadian version of Shark Tank. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They changed the deal. They even didn't even like our name. And they wanted us to just be a manufacturer for their their product. So it was a quite sad experience. But what ended up happening, again, don't take bad news so hard because good news is right around the corner. You know, after it's the storm comes, there's always a sunny day. So we knew that. So we ended up just continuing business as usual. And after the show aired, our website crashed. We got so many demands. Did you not take the deal, though, in the end? No, of course not. We didn't. We weren't weren't desperate. We were okay growing organically and we knew we we had something. So we, we had the sales. Yes, we were not profitable because we were giving away our product to get in the stores because, you know, the stores don't want to give chances on these new guys. So we said, how can we get in the stores? All right. Our competitor is selling you the bag at two bucks. We'll sell it to you at a dollar 50. Our cost was a dollar 75. So I was giving a guy a quarter every time I brought him a bag. But I realized that eventually the customer is going to like the product and then I could slowly raise the price, which is exactly what we did. So after the show, a local investor saw us, loved the product, went to the store, bought it, fell in love with our creme brulee caramel, which is one of our best sellers. Called my brother up and my brother calls me and he says, you'll never believe it. A local investor here from Montreal wants to meet us at Starbucks. And I said, okay, Fab, like I had enough with investors. I'm going back to like sales. Like I have no time for this. He said, no, no, no. He said he's bringing a check to Starbucks and he wants to sign today. And I'm like, again, sure. Who brings a a check for a couple hundred thousand or a million, whatever to Starbucks. And that's exactly what ended up happening. We ended up getting a deal for less percent, way more money. And that's kind of our first experience with an investor. Then shortly after, I would say three years later, we ended up going from 30,000. We were at 300,000 a month in sales and we needed a bigger facility and we needed just to get bigger. And we did our second deal with a big investor here locally as well. And that investor, how it came about is also a crazy story. My brother, we come from a poor family. So my brother used to tutor on the side in law and he used to tutor this girl because she wasn't getting through law school. It just so happens that her father is a big shot. And she didn't want to ask him to tutor because she wanted to impress her father. So long story short, the father has all these rich investors. And that's kind of how we met our investors is through the father. So it's just, you never know where you're going to meet your next investor. And really, it's it's about just putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. Wow. Such good stories. I love it. I'm oh, so we have the last We have the last investor too, by the way. That's the, the big one that we just signed in 2020. Incredible. Such good. You have good stories and great advice. And I love how rogue you've gone on so many different occasions. I love that you didn't take that money from that show. It's really cool. Anything you want to share? Yeah, I have a story. So it's about our first investor, even before. So not the first investor who invested, the first offer we got to invest. 
So we saw these guys, they, they were in the ice cream business and they had money. And we were looking for to raise our first round. This was before the Shark Tank Dragons Den episode. And we ended up going to meet with them at their offices. So we go in and we start talking about a potential deal and we leave. And my brother's like in the parking lot. So how did it go? What did you think? You ready? Did you like them? And I said, I don't want to do a deal with them. He's like, what do you mean? They're ready to write a check next week for like, it was like 300 grand. I said, they didn't even offer me water or a coffee. So he's like, are you serious, Joe? You're going to drop these guys because they didn't offer you a coffee. And I'm like, well, look back They were They had a cigar. They had coffees. They had drinks. And they couldn't even offer me anything. And if this is how they're they're starting out, what do you think it's going to be like working with them? So he's like, no, it's probably a culture thing. And I said, no, no, no. Culture thing, no, no. When I come into your office, if you don't offer me a drink, or imagine someone coming into your house and you don't offer them something. It's just rude. So I said, no, I don't want to do the deal. And long story short, those two guys who were big shots ended up going bankrupt. It was on the news. So I just, like I said, you, you got to follow your gut. And I was never really impressed with money because we literally didn't pay ourselves for the first four years. And I, I had a hundred K salary. My brother was making way more money than that. So we didn't do this for money. And that's kind of why we had so much success. We yeah. didn't care about money. We cared about market share. We just yeah. wanted to steal customers away from our competitors. We didn't care at what cost it, it was, even it was to our detriment, which it was because we were giving our product at a loss. So that's kind of just knowing you have a good product and we meet a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, as I mentioned earlier on, we really have to have three things when you meet someone. First of all, you have to have a good product. That's like, if it's the product's not good, don't even start. Second, you have to have a good entrepreneur. So you have to have somebody that has a fire because I, I, I believe that fire can't be created. Somebody either born with the fire inside them. And I don't have a fire. I have a Phoenix. I feel like I'm going to sometimes explode. And that's why my brother sometimes says to like, don't have too many coffees because you've asked them seven questions and it's been 30 seconds. So they call me the Phoenix just because sometimes I, I my fire, it's, it's an inferno. So you have to have a good product. You have to be a good entrepreneur and you have to be able to take criticism. For me, even our employees, minimum wage employees, let's say we don't pay minimum wage. That's why we have so many good employees, but I'm saying, let's say our lowest base employee, we had her suggest something on, on our production line. I could easily be like, who is she? I have an engineer here. I'm a business guy. We're doing millions of dollars. No, we take her, everybody's criticism and we take it and we actually implemented it. I ended up writing her a check, I believe for $20,000 because she saves me $20,000 a month now because of the savings she, she created in our production line. She ended up helping her family out. And this is kind of where our company culture is. And that's why we have so much retention in our employees. We give free fruit, free, obviously free popcorn. We take care of them as, as if they're family. We pay them very well. And that's kind of, I took the Costco approach to taking care of your employees so that they take care of you. Yeah, that's amazing. So I suspect you're going to get a lot of good exposure here and also a lot of job applications. <laughs> we, we need we need a lot of employees, especially in the U.S., <laughs> for sure. Do you have a presence in the U.S. at all or like do you have yes, a team? We have, we, have two, we have two facilities right now we, we pack for in the U.S. So we're actually, we have a facility in New Jersey and we oh. have another one in Indiana. And we're doing some major, major partnerships coming up. Check it out on social media with the NBA NFL, MLS. We're literally partnering with some of the biggest teams 
in the world right now. So I'm excited to announce those partnerships coming up and it's going to be some huge news. So in the States, we're going to be very big. We also came out with a new product. It's actually right here. If, if your viewers can see it, it's called the yeah. and eat. So we're actually the only popcorn that has a heatable popcorn bag. So you can throw this bag. It's already pre-popped because, you know, the best popcorn, let's be real, is popcorn at the movies when it's yes. hot, buttery. Yes. That is the best experience. So we said to ourselves, how can we create that experience again for the consumer? So we developed, first of all, it's biodegradable, compostable. And this packaging now allows you to have flavored popcorn hot right out of the oven. It's delicious. You can even you put, put this on the barbecue, in the oven, oven oh, wow. barbecue. And the best part about it is it's not hot. So the kids can grab it and inside is hot. So you just have to open it and you have the hot popcorn. So let's say you're making a barbecue and the kids are screaming and the burgers are not ready. Throw a couple bags on the top shelf for 30 seconds, throw some double butter or some kettle corn. You end up giving the kids the hot popcorn, let them snack while the burgers are getting ready. So that product right now is exploding in the market. I bet. So the Eat and Eat is going to be available all across the US. Fantastic. And I'm wow. going to send you, of course, some popcorn and everybody at your team. Amazing. I can't wait. I want to try that Heat and Eat. That's so cool. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joseph. This is amazing and so much good stuff in here. I really think this is going to get a lot of good engagement because you've said some things that would make people kind of stop and say, oh, huh, I'm following all the rules and I'm not making any progress. Yeah. And again, if you have any questions, if there's other entrepreneurs out there, I didn't really have the help. So I would love to offer anybody they can reach me on our website or Instagram. I get all the messages. So bad monkey popcorn message us. And I'd love to help you any way I can. If Even if it's something small, some advice, you're not sure about something. I'm definitely there for you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so that. much. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for the invite. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.